Good morning, family. It's great to see all your faces and hear your voices. We're looking forward to spending time with you all in worship and in the word. I'm going to tell you what we'll be attempting to do, although I think most of you know by now. We're going to start things off with communion. Pastor Fran is going to lead us through that in just a moment. After communion, we'll have our time of worship. And then Pastor Georgina will come up and lead any kids who'd like to join her through a Bible verse. We will dismiss them to their Sunday school classrooms. And then we'll have our time in the Word with Pastor Billy today. And you guys, we're going to learn a lot of stuff. We're going to be talking Greek. And it won't be all Greek, but, you know, it's good stuff. Super fun. Um, Before we get into any of that, let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come? Papa, would you inhabit our praises here this morning? We thank you for how you've been showing up through the week, showing yourself in big ways and small ways. Showing us your faithfulness. you for your great love for us loving us just as we are and loving us too much to leave us that way Papa help us this morning to be good listeners good receivers good applicators of your word us to draw closer to you. We love you. And we join with all the churches around the world where your gospel is preached with this collect. Lord God, the unfailing helper and guide of those whom you nurture in your steadfast love. We ask that you would keep us under the protection of that mighty love and give us a continual reverence and love for your holy name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Pastor Fran. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Take and eat it in remembrance of me. Same way I took the cup. It's the last night of the Passover celebration. Cups of plagues and sanctification and poured and celebrated. Jesus took the third cup, the cup of redemption. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. There with his friends that night, Jesus gave us a lasting ordinance, remembrance that we call communion, the Lord's Supper. He said, from now on, when you get together and partake in this meal, I want you to remember me. So his friends gathered this morning. We too can partake in this meal, the bread and the cup, the body and the Lord. We remember, give thanks. Remember all Jesus has said and done and promised to do. Remember his willingness to go to the cross on our behalf. I remember how he died and rose again. I want to remember with all thanksgiving that he's coming back soon. So on this table, the elements communion, the bread and the cup, by and by the Lord. Table's open this morning to all who believe. Says we worship and you feel led by the Spirit. Go eat, drink, remember, and give thanks. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Fran. We're going to enter now into our time of worship together. And I always like to encourage us all to sing out and to lift our voices and participate as we praise the Lord here today. We're going to see the words on the screen, so it'll be really easy to sing along with. You're welcome to sit. Stand if you're able. You will be our God, and we will be your children, Lord.
hear your voices. Come on. time of worship in your presence you're good to us lord and we love you and father as we're here in your presence would you be with us as we prepare to study your word lord god would you anoint the words that are spoken to us that are taught to us use those words god to stir up our hearts towards you and holy spirit i'd ask that you'd be with those who are working with our children god anoint them give them everything that they need to show all the kids your wonderful love for them oh god you are so good, Lord. We love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. 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 And Pastor Georgina, would you please come up and teach the children a Bible verse? Good morning, boys and girls. So excited to see you. Okay, have you ever needed help in doing something? Raise your hand if you're like, I needed help. <gasps> cool. With today's story, we're going to meet two people who needed help. And they knew that Jesus was the only one that could help them. Okay, so let's listen as we hear about how Jesus helped them. Okay, cool. Good. Okay, great. So Jesus was walking, was um, teaching and a crowd gathered around him, and all of a sudden, a man named Jairus fell at Jesus' feet and 
begged him to help him. He said, my daughter, she is sick, right? But Jesus, please come. I know that if you touch her, she will be healed and live. So Jesus said, okay. So Jesus followed Jairus to his house, and so did the crowd. Everyone was going with Jesus and Jairus, right? A woman was in the crowd, and she needed, <clears throat> excuse me, she needed Jesus' help too. She believed, right, that Jesus could help her. She had been bleeding for many, many, many years, and no doctor could help her, but she had faith and believed that Jesus could, and she grabbed and reached for his clothes, and as soon as she did that, the bleeding stopped, and she was healed. Can you believe that? No. And Jesus, when he found out that it was, it was her that, that um, he felt healing coming from him, right, power coming from him to heal her, he told her, daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. You have been healed. And while this was happening, some people from Jairus's house came and they told Jairus, your daughter, she has died. Do not bother Jesus anymore. So sad, right? And Jesus heard this and Jesus told Jairus, do not be afraid, right? Just believe. Isn't that a good word? Yeah, good word. So Jesus went to Jairus's house, and what he found there was people crying very loudly, right? And Jesus is like, why are you crying? She's not dead. She's just asleep. So she took, he took Jairus and his wife to the room where the child was, right? And our Bible verse tells us what happened next in Luke 8.54. It says, then Jesus took her by the hand and said in a loud voice, my child, get up. And guess what happened? She got up and she started walking around and everyone there was amazed, right? Jesus showed that he had power as Messiah, right? And Jesus can heal and give dead people life. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. He do miracles. Jesus died and rose again, right? So that people can be saved from sin and death. So we can be saved from sin and death. And when we trust in Jesus, God forgives us of our sins, right? And he changes our hearts so that we are more and more like Jesus. Good news? Good news, right? Awesome. Good. Got you guys ready to repeat after me? All right, nice. Luke 8, 54. Then Jesus took her by the hand and said in a loud voice, My child, get up. Wow, that was really good, guys. Excellent work. Awesome, guys. All right, so now we're going to pray, okay? So let's bow our heads and let's close our eyes. Ready? Father in heaven, we just thank you, Lord God, for how much you love us, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, that you still do miracles, Lord. And Father, we I pray that the little ones will know, God, that you can always, they can always come to you, Lord God, that you do heal, Lord God. You're still doing the works that you had started long ago, Lord God. In Jesus' name, what do we say? Amen. Excellent work. Amen. It's good to see the kids. Um, good to see you guys. You might be wondering who in the heck I am. <laughs> I'm the piano player. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sing us a song, you piano. Anyway, um, listen, it's good to be here with you. Steve, uh, Pastor Steve, is not feeling real well. He's fine. He's just not feeling real well, running a little fever. And so he called yesterday and said, 
you know, he said, hey, I just can't preach tomorrow. <laughs> so he said, would you, you know, you, would you mind preaching? And so I uh, asked the Lord for something. I got a few things he put on my heart, and I want to share them with you today, all right? So, um, you know, one of the things that's really cool... Oh, by the way, I want to say this too. Uh, last night, yesterday, um, uh, Carolyn and Chuck opened a new restaurant called The Bent Prop, and it's in Cudjo, and they invited our staff out and treated us. It is so good. So that is like this plug that is like for whatever, you know, but if it, I think they opened Wednesday to the public or something, but it was really, really good. And um, so anyway, I highly suggest the clam soup. Okay. Um, all right. So... Um, Anyway, I'm, I'm going to be able to share with you today. I'm really excited. But before I do, this was on my heart this morning as I was listening to Georgina work with the kids. You know, it, it's so cute to see that, but it is far more than just cute what happens with the kids. Um, in Matthew 21, we know the story of what we call the triumphant entry when Jesus enters into Jerusalem. And when he goes into Jerusalem, it says that they're laying down the palm leaves and they're shouting, Hosanna. And then he goes in and he begins to do this work. He's, he's healing people. But then there's a verse that's really, sometimes we kind of skip over it because it's just kind of all of a sudden there and there's not a whole lot said about it. But it says this. It says, the children, the children began to praise him. And when the children began to praise him, the religious leaders, the Pharisees got, that scripture says, indignant. And they decided they wanted to kill Jesus. Now, why would they get indignant and then suddenly say he's got to go, even though they knew even before they kind of had a feeling he needed to go, but that kind of sealed the deal. Why would they do that? Because they were, they saw that they were about to lose the next generation. The children began to praise him. All through scripture, when something's about to happen, especially when God's about to bring about a revival or a great deliverance, we see that there is an, an attempt to wipe out a generation. You see it with Moses. You see it in the life of Jesus. There's an attempt by the enemy to wipe out a generation when God's about to move. And I believe in our day, I believe God's about to move, don't you? Amen. Listen, sometimes you look at the news and you get so depressed, you get so down that you don't even want to look at the news anymore. You're like watching it going, <laughs> you know, but I want you to know, Isaiah 60 says, arise and shine. Um, how does it go? I, your light has come. Thank you. We memorized it and I forgot it right when I started. Isaiah 60 says, how does it go, Angie? <laughs> arise, shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. It says, darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. That's what we're excited about. That's what I'm thrilled about. God's glory is rising on the church today in our day. His, his, his glory is rising upon you. So anyway, I want to tell you up front, sometimes I get a little wound up. And if that's the case, and you can just put your fingers in your ears and that's okay. I just get a little wound up and that's the way it happens with me. Okay. If you think I get wound up, you ought to hear Angie preach. That's when it, whoa, that's a little wound up. Happy Father's Day to all you guys out there that are fathers. And we've got one koozie. So the first guy, no, I'm kidding. We've got, <laughs> go. No, we've got koozies for you guys. So, you know, grab a koozie or two and, and, uh, keep, Keep your, you know, drink cool. You know, it's, that's a, maybe that's a phrase we can use someday. So, uh, all right. So happy Father's Day. And by the way, happy Father's Day, Father. You are a good, good father. Good, good father. In Jesus' name. Amen. So anyway, it's good to be with you. Uh, I'm going to do some things a little different. Normally, we might have my wife Angie come up like Steve and Alice do. And, and Steve, Alice would, you know, pray and then she would read the scripture. But we're going to do it a little different because I'm going to read the scripture later on in the message, okay? So uh, what I'm going to do up front is kind of give you a lesson. You ready to go to school a little bit? So everybody turn to your neighbor and say, you ready to go to school? <laughs> All right. So let me tell you, Steve's been talking about sword sharpening, and I love that whole series that we're in, this sword sharpening series. I absolutely love it. One of the things that I've learned through the years, I grew up in a Baptist church in San Antonio, Texas. I was a cradle baby, and then I grew up all the way through. I went into uh, undergrad work in theology, you know, graduate work, the whole thing. But one of the things I absolutely love is the Word of God. It's become a part of my life, and not just because I've been, been in ministry most of my life. 
I love the word of God because I've seen the transforming power of the word of God in my life. I've seen the word of God transform my myself, my wife, my marriage, my family, my situation, my job. I've seen the word of God do incredible things that I could never dream or ask. And so I'm so excited that we're going to get into it and we're going to study it and I'm going to give you some tools, okay? One of the tools you can use in studying the word of God, I like to refer to as the historical integrity of a passage. So when you look at the Bible and you start studying, you've got to understand that the Bible sections of it are all written within the context of history. So if you understand what's happening in the moment, many times it helps you better understand what's being, what, what's being said. Does that make sense? So you kind of look at it and try to study the historical significance of it. Okay. There's another thing that you do is you look at the contextual integrity. Sometimes we read a verse in the Bible and it really touches us. But if we read the context of what's being said, it can make all the difference in the world and just blow us away. So it's good to study the context of a Bible, of the Bible verse as well. Okay. The next thing to do is study what I call the his, uh, well, you can just put it this way. It could be a timeless truth. Or a, or an injunction for that specific time and age. Okay? So a timeless truth or a specific injunction for the time or age. And you might say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, there's a specific passage in Deuteronomy chapter 23 where Moses told the people of Israel, he says, if you need to go, you need to go outside the camp and take a shovel with you. Okay? So. <laughs> All right, so that particular verse there is like, it's not a timeless truth. It's something for a specific time and a specific day in the way that they were traveling around. He said, listen, guys, we just need to, you know, be sanitary the way we do things. Okay, so that's a timeless truth. Now, here's another thing you need to do, and this is what we're going to talk about today. Okay, you can look at the grammatical integrity of the passage. The grammatical integrity of the passage. Now, what's cool is the Old Testament was written in two different languages. Mainly, it's written in Hebrew. There's a couple of sections of it that's written in Aramaic, like in Daniel, those kind of things. Some of it's Aramaic. Most of it's Hebrew. The New Testament, on the other hand, is completely written in Greek. Now, Greek is a very difficult language to understand, but if you're studying the Bible, one of the things I can give you that it's, that's a tool, and you can find it online, you can find it on your phone, on the internet, whatever, it's called an interlinear, interlinear. And you can go to a passage, you can look up the passage, and look it up in the interlinear, and if you do, it'll reveal the passage in the original language of Greek, but it'll give you the Greek words, but if you tap on them, it'll tell you what they mean. Now you say, well, why would I even want to know that? Can I just read the Bible? Well, sure, you can, and it'll come alive for you, and it's awesome, but it is so cool to go digging a little bit further, okay? Here's what I mean by that. In English, I can use a word, and I can use it in um, a different context, the same word, and it means different things. Like I can say to you that I love Angie, and you say, well, of course you love Angie, and we've been married 42 years this July the 10th coming up. And so you say, you better love Angie, you know, so I can say, I love Angie. And then I can say, and by the way, you know what else? I love tacos. Now, in English, I use the word love two times, but you know, hopefully, <laughs> that I mean something different because of the context of what I'm saying. I will confess to you today that tacos are a close second to my wife, Angie. They're right there. So just, you know, just <laughs> FYI. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Somebody said, you're in trouble now. I'm like, yeah. Okay. No lunch for me. No tacos for me. Okay. So, and so in, in English, we do that. But in, in Greek, the cool thing about it is words are so descriptive. Greek has many different words for sometimes what we would translate as the same thing. For instance, in Greek, you might, you might be reading the Bible and come across the word love. Well, love in Greek, there's a number of different words for love. So you might need to know which one he's mentioning right there in the writing. There's the word agape for love. Agape is the one most of us are probably familiar with. It's the kind of love I have with Angie. It's an intimate relationship you have with someone you're closest to that you just love. My wife, her husband, we, we know, she, no one knows me better than Angie. I know her better than anybody. That's what agape love is. It's a commitment kind of love that God has with us and we have with him. Got it? There's another word for love in the Bible, and it's a word called phileo. Phileo is, we can translate it in the Bible as love, but phileo means something different because phileo is more like a brotherly, sisterly kind of commitment love. Matter of fact, if you think about it, the, the name of the city, Philadelphia, has the word phileo in Greek. That's where Philadelphia comes from. Phileo, and we know the city of Philadelphia is what? It's called the city of what? 
brotherly love. So it's, by the way, Adelphos is the Greek word for brother. So when you get phileo and you put it with Adelphos and you put it together, you get Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. So the Bible is full of those kinds of things. If you just go look, if you just go mining for them, take a little hammer and go into the cave and kind of clip away till you find gold. Does that make sense to you? Okay, so here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to give you three Greek words. I'm going to tell you the definition of those three Greek words. And then after we learn the definition and get it in our heart, then we're going to go look at a Bible verse where all three of those Greek words appear. And you're going to be able to read that verse in a way, hopefully, that it's going to come alive to you in a way it's never come alive to you before. You ready to go? All right. So, oh, I just remembered something. Oh, where's my thing? Steve and Doug are really good about using this, and I'm horrible about using this. What's up there? Luke 8? That's the children's verse. Oh, the children's verse. There it goes. Okay, let's get out of here. What am I doing there? Okay, I'm not good at this stuff, so let's keep going. I'm going the wrong way, I have a feeling. Anyway, forget that. All right, so here we go. Talk amongst yourselves while I figure that out. Yeah, preach a sermon to the person next to you. Okay, here's the first one. The first word is zeo. Everyone say zeo. Zeo is the verb, but there is a noun, and it's real important, and we're going to talk about the noun later, okay? Matter of fact, in order to get zeo, which is the verb, you've really got to understand the noun, but I want to tell you about zeo first before we get to the noun. The noun is zoe. You might have heard that before somewhere, zoe. But zeo, here's what zeo means. Zeo in Greek means breathing. It means alive. It means full of life. Okay, that's what it means. So, for instance, if you go and you look at the passage in Mark chapter 16, verse 11, you find where Mary Magdalene is coming out of the tomb, coming from the tomb, and she goes to the disciples and she's telling them that she couldn't find Jesus, that he's risen from the dead. And it says in Mark chapter 16, it says, when they heard that Jesus was alive... That's the word zeo, okay? When they heard that he was breathing again, where life was in his body again. Now, they didn't believe, but we believe, right? It's okay, because we know the end of the story. So it says zeo, life. Here's another place that it's mentioned. It's mentioned in Matthew chapter 4, verse 14, where Jesus says, man shall not zeo by bread alone. Man shall not live by bread alone. It says, but by every word that proceeds, everyone say proceeds, proceeds from the mouth of God. Man shall not live, zeo, breathe, have existence, have life by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, why is that cool? I won't give you all the Greek about it, but I will tell you this about that passage. That phrase proceeds from, it's a Greek word which means the outcome is directly linked to the source. So it says, man shall not zeo by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The outcome and the impact and the change that happens only happens because all of this is proceeded from the mouth of God. Whatever's going to happen in your life for breakthrough is because God stepped in and broke through. Listen, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, the Bible says, but I will trust in the name of the Lord my God because that's where breakthrough comes from. Amen? Okay. So that's Zeo. By the way, just to let you know, um, let me tell you about the noun real quick, because this will, this will help you later on when we kind of look at Zeo a little uh, more closely. The noun is zoe. Zoe is a cool, cool word that means life, but it's far more than that. It is actually definitive of the very life that comes from God and nowhere else. You cannot get this kind of life from anywhere else other than God. In John 10, 10, Jesus says, I've come that you might have life, Zoe life, life that comes directly from God, empowered by him and alive with him. I've come that you might have life. And then he says, and that abundantly. Now, it would have been enough had he said, I come that you might have the kind of life that God has. But then he says, I'm going to give you that kind of life abundantly beyond all that you could think or ask. So that's really cool. Okay. So everyone say Zeo. All right. Here's the next word, and I think they got me where I need to be. Y'all seeing Zeo up there right now? Okay, here we go. Look at this one. Everyone say, inner geese. 
Energes. And now listen, this is a cool word because a lot of words in Greek actually get translated into English, okay? I'll give you an example. Um, the word in Greek, baptizo, is where we get our English word, baptize. Does that make sense? So they take the Greek word and just transliterate it into English. This is the same kind of word, energes, because from this word, we get the word energy, energy. And it's energes, you can also say energeo, with ending with an O, okay? And I'll tell you, one of the cool things about that, that word, and I'll tell you where the verse is, it's found in James, let me find it here real quick, James chapter 5. In James chapter 5, this is what it says. It says, the fervent prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much, Okay? The fervent prayer. The word for fervent is the word energeo. It's, it's another variation of energes, okay? Energeo, energy, the fervent prayer. But you know what it literally means in Greek? It means hot to the point of boiling. The fervent prayer. The kind of prayer that's hot to the point of boiling. The kind of prayer that's on fire. The fervent prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Now, why is that important? I, I kind of look at it in a practical way, and I say, well, what t- t- water boils at 212 degrees Fahrenheit? That's what I remembered, and somebody gave me a thumbs up this morning, so I guess I got it right. So water's boiling, hot to the point of boiling. So that means this is f- prayer full of fire, prayer full of heat. It's the kind of prayer that when you put water and it starts boiling and it transforms in the steam, it's the kind of prayer that transforms things and changes things. So this word here is fervent. It's alive. It's transforming. It's hot. Does that make sense to you? It's full of passion, this word here. Okay. All right. So everybody say zeo. Everyone say energes. By the way, I'll say this to you too. Speaking of hot and passion and fire, I remember this. Y'all don't know who John Wesley is? John Wesley, uh, he founded the Methodist Church. We won't go into all the details of it. Founded the Methodist Church. Back years ago in the 1700s, the Anglican Church decided that they would not let him preach in their pulpits. They said, no, you're banned. You're not going to be able to preach in the pulpits. So John Wesley got on his horse and he would ride out to fields out in the countryside and he would pick some random field and he would set up and he would start preaching. And then people started coming and people started coming and people started coming and throngs of people started coming and thousand people would start showing up. And after this happened for a long time, somebody came to John Wesley and they said, how are you drawing all these crowds? And John Wesley said, well, it's really simple. I just set myself on fire and everybody comes to watch me burn. (laughs) Guys, that is so cool. You know why? Because that's a truth for us too. Do you know that you and I, I mean, I I have the privilege of standing here for Steve in this pulpit today, but you may never have this privilege, but you've got a pulpit that Steve, Pastor Steve will never stand in. I've got a pulpit that you'll never stand in. You've got a pulpit that I'll never stand in. What do you mean by that? Well, I also, I, I work for a real estate company where I'm the national director of culture and the corporate chaplain. We're in 39 states with 10,000 people. I have a pulpit that you don't have, but you have a pulpit I don't have. Steve has us pray for our neighbors all the time. Do you know that you have a pulpit in your neighborhood that I don't have? And I have a pulpit in my neighborhood that you don't have. And you say, well, a pulpit, are we supposed to go out there like John Wesley on a horse and start preaching? I'm not saying that at all. You know, just set yourself on fire and they'll come watch you burn. Just burn with the love of Jesus. Burn in Winn-Dixie. Burn on the beach. Just burn passionately in love with Jesus. Just serve people. Demonstrate Jesus. I had a seminary professor that one time was speaking to a class. And he said, you know what? He said, tell everyone about Jesus, but only when necessary use words. I thought, man, that is so profound and powerful. You know, do you have to get your Bible and beat him over the head with that thing? Just go and love them, love them, love them. And when they ask you, what's different about you? Tell them, Jesus has transformed my life and he can do the same thing for you. Set us on fire, Lord. All right, energies. Now I got to get going here, okay? I got a few more. Everybody, oh, let me, get time out, time out. I'm getting, I'm getting used to this thing. There we go, yeah. Everyone, thank you very much. By the way, when I was, um, yesterday we were driving around and you may not have heard about this, but there were two boats out there that wrecked. One was red and one was blue, and when they hit, everyone was marooned. Thank you very much. Um, you know, speaking of love, because we talked about love earlier, you know why you never, <laughs> you know why you never should fall in love with a tennis player? 
because love means nothing to them. All right, wait, wait, where am I? All right. Tomateros, that's it, Tomateros. Now, this word only shows up one place in the, in the New Testament, and it's going to be the verse that we're going to read. So for right now, I'm not going to show you where that verse is, but I'm going to define it for you, okay? It's Tomateros. It comes from the root Tomas, um, and there's another one, Koptos, that we'll talk about in just a minute. But Tomateros, here's what it means. It means to be so sharpened that you can cut with one little slice. Like getting a piece of paper, you know, a knife that's so sharp that you can just go like this, and it just slices that. You know the those Ginsu knives, you know, they used to advertise that slice and dice, you know, that's kind of a thing, you know. And and the difference is the other Greek word, koptos, it's a word that means you can cut, but you have to cut with repeated blows like you're chopping wood outside with an axe, okay? So that's the word koptos. But tomateros means you can just slice it with one stroke, okay? So you got that in your mind, you got that in your heart. All right, now, I want you to do something for me. I'm going to have you turn to our scripture, if you've got your Bible. If not, we're going to put it, uh, we are going to put it, I'm going to put it on the screen. And I want you to stand as I read this, and I want us to read it together. And we're just going to read the first half of it here, okay? So read this with me out loud like the kids do with Georgina, all right? For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit. You may be seated. All right. Now, I'm going to read it again to you, and I'm going to change it up a little bit, and hopefully this will mean something to you. So, the Word of God is zeo. It is alive. It's actually breathing. It has life in it. And not only life, but the Word of God is living with the very zoe life of God. The only kind of life that God possesses and the only kind of life that God can give. This word is full of that kind of life. If you and I will dive into this word, that kind of life is available. If we will go fishing in this word, that's the kind of life we will catch. The very life of God that he offers to us and you can't get any place else. And there may be somebody that walked in this room this morning and you've never met Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I want you to know that he's got a life waiting for you that you could never even dream of. And it's not just an option. It is so important. It is not just a decision. It is the decision. You were born with a destiny and God put you on this earth with a plan and only you can fulfill that plan in him with his life. So he's inviting you today to come and meet him. The word of God is living. It's Zoe and it's inner gaze. It's inner gaze. Oh, it's hot to the point of boiling. It's transforming. You can read this and it'll turn your life upside down in a good way. It'll change the way we think. It'll change the way we act. It'll do things for us that we could not even imagine. I will let you know that throughout the years, as Angie and I have spent time in the Word of God as a couple, we've done what we call wisdom searches through the years. A wisdom search is simply when we've got to make a big decision as a family and we don't know what to do, whether it's a job or a situation with the kids or or maybe our kids are grown now, but when they were younger or maybe... Um, a move or just whatever it might be and we'll go into the word of God and we'll say Holy Spirit enlighten this word and we'll do a wisdom search and what we'll do is we'll read the proverb that matches the day of the week the day of the month like the 13th we'll read Proverbs 13 and then there's another thing we do with Psalms where we read five of them according to a calendar that we have if you have any questions you can ask her she'll be glad to tell you um, don't ask me because I would, I would I don't know ask her so okay because she keeps track of it with us but and it's a wisdom searching, you say, well, why are you doing that? You mean to tell me, Billy, that in the Bible, it'll tell you whether you're supposed to keep your job or or change jobs? Absolutely, it will. It may not say, thou shalt quit your jobeth. It may not say that, but it'll say something that'll drop, jump off the page for you that you're going to go, oh my goodness, God's calling me. He's telling me to stay at it, to keep at it, to hunker down and to serve. It'll say those, it'll speak to you in that kind of way. So it's, it's full of life and it's full of heat and it's full of energy. The word of God is living and active and sharper. Tomateros. It can slice with one stroke. It can cut things off you're dealing with. It can cut things off you're, 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 you're struggling with. It can, it can absolutely transform us with just one single stroke. 
And the Bible says that this sword is two-edged. Why would it say that? Because those soldiers in that day, they wouldn't have time to slice and then have to draw again and slice. So what they could do is they could slice this way and then slice that way immediately. And the Bible says it doesn't matter which way you look at it, the Bible's going to come through for you. All of us need to be aware of that. Now listen, the reason I tell you all this is this. I've seen it transform our lives. I'll never forget, and I've just got a few more minutes, and I'll just kind of wrap up with this, so stay with me in this. I was a youth pastor at a church in San Antonio, Texas, and uh, I was on staff, and there were about 12 of us on staff, and I'd memorized Bible verses through the years. You know, I grew up in, I grew up in the cradle as a Baptist, and John 3.16, you know, those verses, you know, that you just, you memorize. But I was sitting in staff meeting, and our pastor, Patrick, good friend of mine of this day, he looks around the staff meeting, he goes, okay, uh, everyone, guys and girls, we're guys and girls of the staff, he goes, okay, we're going to start memorizing um, uh, verses together. And I thought, oh, this is going to be cool. I can memorize a verse. That's awesome. And he goes, we're going to start memorizing chapters of the Bible. And I was like, oh, my God, chapters of the Bible? And every staff meeting, we would have to come in there and sit in there, and everybody, one by one, would have to quote this chapter that we're working on and be accountable. And it was so embarrassing that you didn't get it. But then he kind of gave us some ease because he said, we're not going to just memorize it to have it up here. We're going to memorize it to put it down here. And the difference is that we're going to spend as much time as necessary on each verse until we get it inside our heart. So we started with Romans 6. Romans 6, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound? May it never be. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? And it goes on and on and on. Now listen, it may sound like, wow, Billy, you really got that. That took me months to get that. It took all of us months because we took our time and we really dug into the word and it did no good to really have the word just something that I could just quote, just, just like, just say. It had to be something that became a part of my life and that I meditated on and that I spent time and I want to encourage you not only to read the word but when you come across something that really sticks into your heart start going to bed at night quoting it over and over again open it up next to your bedstand and read it before you go to bed at night when you wake up at night like none of you do and you're fretting over something like I do and it keeps you awake all night and you're fretting over that thing let that thing go away and start quoting that verse that's sticking on you for those couple of weeks and let the word of God come into you and breathe life. Let the word of God come into you and bring energy and fire and passion. Let the word of God come into you and slice and cut things off and put things on and transform you from the inside out. That's what the word of God needs to do for us. And so I want to encourage you to do that. I want to stimulate all of us to, to good deeds and that. And as Pastor Steve is preaching up here for us to really grab a hold of sword sharpening and say, yes, Lord, I want it to become a part of my life. It's not just something for, for Pastor Steve or Pastor Alice or Pastor Georgina or Pastor Billy or Doug. It's for all of us. This word is for all of us, and it's an invitation to dive in to something deeper and life-transforming, okay? Amen. All right, so what's the first word? Zeo. <laughs> they said it because they heard this three times already. They're like, Zeo. All of y'all are like, I don't know. All right, what's the second word? Energes. And what's the third word? Not, don't say tomatillo because you're, you're hungry. Tomateros. All right, all right. Listen, I want uh, the prayer team's going to go to the wall. And it's going to be a group of people over there that are there to pray for you. If you need prayer for anything, if you, if you heard me this morning and said, this morning, I want to give my life to Jesus, they're there to lead you through that and introduce you uh, through this best relationship that you're ever going to have and what life is really all about. If you've got somebody that maybe you want prayer for, they'll agree with you, or maybe even healing in your body. We had someone last night that needed prayer for healing. They'll pray for you. Um, and let's just seal this up in prayer corporately before we sing the doxology, okay? So, Father, thank you so much for giving us Jesus, the Word. Thank you that it's living. Thank you that it's active. And thank you that it's sharp. Father, I ask you that you'd give us a passion for your word like we've never had in our entire life. Give us a passion for your word, Lord. And God, I pray that you, for everybody in this room, Lord, you would set us on fire and let everyone else watch us burn. In Jesus' name, amen. Some of you are like, no, no. (laughs) All right. By the way, I want to tell you this too. 
Um, I'm so grateful, and I know Steve is, but it's such a joy. I mean, just driving up and seeing that food truck out there, and then the video, you know, of the Vacation Bible School, and thinking, what a privilege we have and an honor we have to partner together financially to see these things happen, you know? And, and it's just such, and so thank you. Thank you for your gracious giving that allows these things to happen. It's just, it just thrills us that we're able to see these kids' lives. And remember, it, it's about that generation. It's about a lot of things, but that generation. So um, I also want to, uh, ha- oh, what did I do there? I'm getting the hang of this, guys. Everyone say, good job, Billy. Uh, uh, three of y'all said that. All right, all right let's sing this together. <laughs> yeah. Everybody say, good job, Billy. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Started it too high. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Now, I always get this wrong, so I'm going to read this over you, okay? Because I I have it memorized another way in Scripture. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace and the power and the love of God. And as Steve says, I hope you catch fish, and I hope your team wins. Is there anybody playing? I don't even know if there's somebody playing today. So your team lost. I'm so sorry. See you guys. Blessings.